Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp, a Star Trek podcast. Join us on our continuing mission to explore intersectional diversity in infinite combinations. My name is Kennedy, and thanks for tuning in. With me are Elisa. Hi. Sarah. Hello. And our special guest, co-host of Trek Table Podcast, Allison De La Cruz. Hey, hey. Allison, thank you so much for joining us. Excuse me, De La, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. Super excited. I feel a little fangirly because... I'm such a fan of y'all, and I get to be on this disco recap talking about what I love. So I'm in a really great place. Super excited to have all these convos. Well, hell yeah. We're fans of you, too. So let's get it. Uh, Before we get into our main topic, we have a little bit of housekeeping to do first. Our show is made possible by our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron, you can do so for as little as $1 per month and get awesome rewards, from thanks on social media up to silly watch-along commentaries. Visit patreon.com slash women at warp for more info. Looking for podcast merch? Check out our T Public store. There are so many designs with new ones being added all the time and on so much more than just t shirts. Find it at tpublic.com slash stores slash women at warp. And last but not least, we will be at Star Trek Mission Chicago this week. Come join us on the con floor at booth 2126. We'll have pins and patches for purchase and a special photo scavenger hunt with prizes. Plus, Elisa will be running sessions of the tabletop role-playing game Star Trek Adventures at the con. Check our social medias for sign-up info or stop by the booth to inquire, as long as you have your mask. We don't play that. Safety first. <laughs> now that the business is out of the way, Holy Cats Discovery Season 4. Mm-hmm. Holy I cats! Mean, holy, holy cats! cats is right. <laughs> holy cats! They were just like, listen, listen, listen. I know what you're thinking. You can go ahead and throw all that out the window, because <laughs> we're gonna do what we want to do. Uh, this was 13 seasons of heart, emotion, turmoil, despair, a uh, woe, and a little, you know, first contact sprinkled in at the end. But it was a first contact like we had never seen before. It was a hell of a season. How do you all feel about it first thing out the gate? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, all the things. I feel like we got an expansion of the new timeline of where we were in season three. We got some greatest hits. We got to see Mama, Doctor, Sister, Gabrielle. Um, we got lots of... Mama, Doctor, Sister, Gabrielle. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold on. You can't just gloss over that. Mama, Doctor, Sister, Gabrielle. That's her full title. You cannot say Gabrielle Burnham without Mm -hmm. adding the mother, sister, doctor first. Continue. Thank you. (laughs) Definitely. I mean, season three is where we we got that language, right? And we saw it. We saw her literally embody it in this in this season. So we got some greatest hits like that. We got to see what happened with Sukal and Sarut. Like we got the Kaminar, we got the Navar, we got the Earth, and then we got all this extra new goodness and discovery and questions like we've never seen before. Yeah, for real. So we start off hot first thing out the gate with Kobayashi Maru, uh, where Michael and Book are doing what Michael and Book do best, and that's getting into trouble and getting out of it <laughs> with both tails intact somehow. Um, 
it was it was quite remarkable to see them still at it. Um, and hello, dress uniforms and away uniform. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the the burgundy leather for her away <laughs> mission gear? I said, hold mm-hmm. up, captains, get new stuff. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, can we appreciate the AR wall that they got to use this season? which lets them create these totally alien planets. They don't have to go film in like a botanical garden anymore. They can just be anywhere. Yes. Oh, the, yes. We reap the benefits so lovely in this season. I mean, just completely. It's like watching a film every episode. The production quality is so high. It's so high. There's never a still frame. There's never not an explosion. They've got pyrotechnics on the bridge now. It's mm-hmm. wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we also have new presidents. <laughs> um, in the way of President Laria Rillick, played by Chella Horsdahl. Um, I want to first and foremost give Horsdahl her credits, um, her flowers, if mm-hmm. you will, for playing such a complex character um, and doing it with such regality mm-hmm. and uh i just i just just, just so much valid like not want to say i want to say authenticity i guess is probably the best way to describe it she like embodied everything we love and hate about politicians um and did it so well that you know i had a hard time remembering that this person is acting and yeah. i'm like you know what i mean because mm-hmm. i was straight up like who is this Arian John talking to Michael. Like, who is this? Mm-hmm. Are you new? You must be new. Mm-hmm. Have you met Michael Burnham? Because whatever it is your problem is, I'm pretty sure she could figure it out. So I think you should have a seat and let sis run the job. And that whole first episode was her, you know, questioning Michael's decisions as if Michael didn't fling herself through the void of space and time to get them there in the first place. Um, so it, it did touch, you know, it, it's, it, 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 um, how would I say? It touched a couple nerves in terms of, you know, black women in positions of power being second-guessed by their peers and the magnitude of that, um, not only just in principle, but also, you know, on the bridge in front of her crew. It was just a lot. Um, and I think uh, with this character, Le- is it Le- Lyra? I forgot. Lyra. 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 Yeah. With Lyra Rillick. I, she really threw me for a loop. Yeah, early in the season, especially... Um, and I think part of it was I was getting prickly because of what you're talking about, Kennedy, that like um, seeing w- black women in positions of power who've earned their sp- their place there and then just constantly being questioned and, and just like um, challenged in front of other people. And um, what I realized, too, though, because I think that was a, I honestly, there's a lot of stuff with the show that I think is intentional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's meant yeah. to challenge us as mm-hmm. viewers. So I think that was one. And another thing I realized about this character is that. In TNG, if this was TNG, uh, and ride with me here because I'm not trying to say it should have been this way. I'm just thinking, like, as a TNG head, this character would have ended up being the villain. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Everything about her pointed to her double-crossing, pointing to her being corrupt, pointed to her um, having a final showdown with Mm -hmm. Burnham Mm -hmm. and being the bad guy. But it didn't go that way. And I liked that. I appreciated that because I wasn't expecting them to become collaborators and to have so much like deep respect for each other mm-hmm, right and that also shows me something that i'm seeing in my life and have talked about it with other people who either get it or don't get it yet is like uh the idea of conflict as part of a relationship to help it grow mm. and i don't do well like in my friendships close friendships and relationships with people who can't handle conflict because 
I need to I, I need to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like right. if we disagree about something, that's fine. But you can't just pretend everything's okay. Like we need to actually like live to like deal with it, you know, live mm-hmm. through the challenges and not just pretend everything's sunshiny all the time. So I like that we saw someone who started off as an adversary and was like challenging and butting heads with Burnham and then they became really like I think great collaborators and res- like super respectful of each other. Yeah. Really challenged my prejudices. Mm. She really did because I saw those Cardassian ridges and I was like, I don't trust her. Mm-hmm. I don't trust her. I don't know who she is or where she come from, but don't turn your back mm-hmm. because she's yep. not to be trusted. That spoon on her forehead lets me know that I can't trust her. Mm-hmm. And to what you were saying, Elisa, like, one of the greatest things about Rillick, I think, with all things being said and done, is that it illustrates what happens when you put women in positions of power. It's not always about ego. It's not always a peeing contest. I don't have to be absolutely right at all times. Like, I can be wrong, handle that criticism, and move on with grace. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I definitely... Mm-hmm. Well, and this... And I would say President Rillick is in line with other great leaders in Discovery, right? In seasons one and two, we get Admiral Cornwell and we get to see the way she leads and how she engages in conflict and how she's trying to challenge peers and colleagues, right? And so with Rillick, I would, I mean, on Trek Table, we asked, like, is she the space Karen? Like, is Kobayashi Maru the new challenge for women of color leaders to constantly have to prove themselves? And what what I want to say is, like, I also actually in some of this rewatch and prep for this show and thinking about um, my final thoughts in season four is like Kobayashi Maru, this this episode is also for book. Right. That yeah. unwinnable challenge of. So just really um, fascinated by the way that the writers and the showrunners and directors and everybody was able to shape these characters in such a way, give us these situations and allow us to, yeah, follow through where we think our assumptions go. I definitely didn't trust her. And so, yeah, I just want to say that she shows up in such a way. And even that moment, what you all were just talking about is like that moment on the bridge where they're in red alert and President Rillick is questioning Burnham. And it's like, are you questioning me right now? I'm trying to handle things. So just even the way we watch that develop to a later moment, where they have a, you know, we'll talk about it when it comes in that episode, but just to appreciate, yeah, how do we meet you? What's up? And really asking, why are you doing this? Burnham really wanting to know, how can I trust you now? You know? Um, although I will say, Dela, that to me, the space Karen, um, oh, geez, I can't remember her name. Osira. Osira? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. 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 Karen. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> hey, let's be homies. I don't want to account. I don't want to be accountable for any of my harm. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, shout out to the class of 31 right? year they're at, the new right? cadets. Come on, cadets. Come on, cadets. Come on, cadets. How I felt like such auntie pride seeing those <laughs> cadets. They say there's nothing more disregarded in graduation than please hold your applause till the end by black families and I was just hollering for them like they hadn't even finished school and I was ho- I was like come on tell her right you better graduate like so <laughs> it was very um encouraging to see that there was going to be a new generation of 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 cadets so to speak mm-hmm. um yeah. Rest in peace, Quajon. Holy cats. <sighs> right? What a way to start a season two, right? Uh, I mean, damn. Uh, Boot on the neck from the uh, door. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. 
and mm. they don't let up for no, a while. No, 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 no. They never let up. Right. There was no peace throughout this whole season. Season, right? Um, but and, they, and speaking about, mm-hmm. go ahead. Sorry. All I was say is like they made it super sweet at the jump. Like we got to see Burnham and Book on an away mission. I will say all season four, we're getting you know Burnham and Book gap year. Like we're getting little moments of what it must have been like with them in that year we've never seen. And it starts in this episode and it starts with them. And she turns to him in that very first five minute scene and she's like, do the empathy thing. And he's like, what? What empathy thing? (laughs) So how it works. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But just to have this moment of she is the logic and he is the feelings. And here they are at the here they are at the top of this. Look at how they're collaborating. How is he fitting into her life as a captain? And so, yeah, just all of that is destroyed or shattered because Quajon is also destroyed and shattered. So I just, uh, I, I so many things. I, I want to like also add something to that because Quajon being shattered obviously is devastating for a book and for many people. But I, I think something that really hit me was David Ajala's performance of that throughout mm-hmm. the season and how. Speaking of getting flowers. Ooh, yeah. I realized for, for a lot of episodes, I felt like he was, he had a thousand yard stare for a lot of this season. And I was like, this is, you, like you said about, um, uh, about Rillick, that actress, you forget sometimes that she's acting. I forgot he was acting. Cause I was like, is he okay? What's, what's going on? I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. His planet. Like literally, if you forget the details of the episode, you just see it in his eyes, how vacant they were, how emotionally shell shocked he was. And, and he, I, I thought that was amazing just seeing how expressive and charismatic he's been in past seasons. And then this season we got a very different book and I thought it was really amazingly like, uh, it was really da- def- deftly portrayed. Why mm-hmm. did I use that word? I never used that word, mm-hmm. but I that's mean, it, what it was. It's the same. <laughs> Shout out to David Ajala. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and then I put Zora here in the notes because I just want to put a pin in Zora because I have feelings mm-hmm. and I, I want to um, get through the rest of the season before we talk about about that in okay. particular because I could go on and I want to stay on track. Um, next, we we actually see what happens with the DMA. We see how it can destroy stations and and the the, the trauma that can occur when someone is boots on the ground when the catastrophe is happening. Um, we see how book deals with grief um, and then determining how to find more information about the DMA. We, we find hollow Stamets. I kind of dug hollow Stamets. I'm not gonna hold you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and we got a chance to, to see them, you know, snuff that, right. Whatever uh, questions us as, as viewers might've had about how Stamets might feel about not being the only navigator on the ship anymore, um, you know, was put to rest with, with Paul, talking so heartfeltly heartfeltly yeah why not heartfeltly um about his family and the and the loss that he almost suffered from them and 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 all that stuff so it was a very a very human moment for stamets who can be a grumpy pants and it's hard to remember um his humanity sometimes um we get to see cool moments with with tilly becoming like a proto stamets the mm-hmm. way she snapped at adira um and mm-hmm. and Colbert counseling her through that and telling her that, you know, Adira looked up to her and that they only want to be the best they possibly can be. Um, so again, more more human grounding there, um, which I think is pretty rad. Mm-hmm. Um, the next episode we have 
Burnham and Tilly investigating the co-op Malat because shit pops off. Yeah, it does. <laughs> shit pops off in the first 15 minutes of the episode. Not even the first 15 minutes. In the first five minutes of the episode, we see a black man get killed. I said, wait a minute, goddammit, Disco. Like, I see this enough. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see this in my Star Trek now. I just, what's happening? And to see the, the conviction that Burnham had behind that, like, hey, are we going to do something about this? Or are we just going to leave this to Navarre? Like, this is clearly not, you know, an internal matter anymore. And just navigating the politics in that. Um, seeing mother, Mama, Sister, Dr. Burnham. Mm-hmm, Mama, mm-hmm. Mama, Dr. Sister Burnham. Mm-hmm, Mama, Dr. Um, Sister Burnham. Mm-hmm. In all her glory. Um, I love Sonya Stone so much. I'm so glad that she's mm-hmm. <laughs> in Star Trek. Like, I just love the pieces of that. So that was that was great to see. And it was cool seeing another species that wasn't humanoid. Mm-hmm. Right? Even though we didn't see them, you know, interact or interact with them directly, we still saw that, you know, not everybody looks like us. Mm-hmm. And to see them, you know encounter a, a completely new species and not be like what is this why you got so weird ass legs like it was it was just very starfleet of them to stay on task and and focus on the bigger picture um and tilly in battle armor can we talk about the representation <laughs> of seeing a thick john in battle armor can we talk about that for a second yes Yo, we can tilly is my hero this bitch put on battle armor and went to work i said let's go come on Mhm mhm. Well, and she's getting it all season, right? As we see it from the very first episode, we're seeing it here where she is front and center again, showing us she could take action. Um yeah, Tilly, I mean, I just yeah, cadet to she's just a lieutenant right now. Come on. Like I don't know anybody that that ranked up that fast except mm-hmm. for maybe, I don't know, Kirk in the in the Kelvinverse. You know, that's, mm-hmm. I think, I think that's the only one that might have surpassed her level up. Right. Um, what else happened in this episode? Books go, book goes to Navarre, which was heavy because you think Vulcans are rough. Vulcans and, and Romulans putting their brains together. Hooey. Right. But um, it was cool. It was cool to see the way Vulcans and Romulans are using their meditative practice to engage in the science. And then also, to see Stamets not being the most science scientific scientist in the room almost like he had to wait like the transformation of Stamets from who he was in season one episode one to like who he ends up in the at the end of the season is re- I've just been thinking a lot about how remarkable that is and this is one of those episodes and we get book and Tarina having that mind meld right this is that episode just the power of that and for me this episode starts the it doesn't even start. It continues the the journey of discovery, showing us different ways the show is trying to take care of Book, Colbert, these these men of color, right? We and so I don't know. I just thought it was really beautiful and profound that Book is being allowed to grieve and participate and be present instead of being pushed aside as a victim, sole survivor. Yeah, that I thought that was also a really interesting and delicate balance they they pulled off there. Um, and yeah, it's exactly that. It's like, I, I, I recently read like a Twitter thread and an article about how in the U S we deal with grief, maybe not in the healthiest way. Like, um, and we saw book doing that too, like trying to just go straight back to work and not process the feelings where as he probably needed a little bit of both, right? Like he did need to feel useful and he needed to get to the bottom of things, but also he needed so much time to just process mm-hmm. the feelings. Like 
to go through those stages of grief with this huge loss he went through. So I thought that was also really well managed throughout this whole season. And yeah, I love that um, the mind meld with Tarina and Book being kind of just always on the edge of like, uh, everyone's like, are you okay? Because that's how it is. <laughs> like, <laughs> when you go through a loss, people kind of treat you more delicately. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it pisses you off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're probably right. You are a little more de- delicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this was a guy who was obsessing over the destruction of the planet for, I don't know, however mm-hmm. long until Michael was like, yo, are you good, homie? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you want to take a walk? Mm-hmm. Um, speaking you need of to taking... sit this out? <laughs> right, right. Do you need... What do you need? How do you... What do you need to feel supported right now? Um, yeah. Oh, this is also the episode where Adira and Gray, they have some stuff going on where Gray is has not woken up yet. Yes. And Adira's all hands next to Gray. Like, I'm here. My, I'm sitting with you. I'm just holding space with you. Yeah. That was very sweet. The one thing I, I wasn't clear on on the end of that, though, is who has the symbiote? Who has Tall? Still a Dira. Still a Is it still a Dira? Oh, it is? Okay. I didn't know that either. So what I want to ask is, Sarah, how excited were you to see them reference Dr. Nuni and Sung's technology and Admiral Picard as a former user of this uh, synthetic body? (laughs) I mean, don't we just love that it's a genuine Star Trek universe now and everything is interconnected? And you can have like all the fan theories and all the ideas and... It's wonderful. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this is the thing about uh, the, the Star Trekness and the canonness, but also like the interconnectedness of Picard is almost a AI body grandfather to Gray. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And he and is he anyways, right? Because of data. It's all data body. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that this episode doubled down on Picard mm-hmm. because not only do we get the Kuat Malat but we also get a reference to him directly and the fact that Colbert was like ah what's his name some admiral ah, Pickard Picard something, somebody <laughs> somebody I don't know him he was, mm-hmm. he was he did some stuff though I don't know so Admiral Picard day didn't happen when Colbert went to the academy <laughs> right did he just miss that <laughs> I mean oh no that was before I was say technically Colbert's older than Picard Oh, dang, you're right. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. So not only would he have just had to like literally read up like and just catching up with like medical protocol and stuff stepping into the 32nd century. But as for all intents and purposes, Picard, Data, all of them are young boys compared yes. to the crew of Disco. Right. They just okay. skipped over that whole era. Yeah. I almost, not to double back, but when Rillick was giving burned him a hard time i always almost wanted her to be like um excuse me <laughs> who's old who, who's been doing this longer mm-hmm. oh that's what i thought mm-hmm. you better cool out <laughs> mm-hmm. excuse was that a, was was that acknowledgement of our contribution only in front of people as a performative act or did that actually yeah. sink in as a real right. thing right mm-hmm. was you reading from a teleprompter mm-hmm. or no <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah, so okay, thank you for clearing that up as far as who's got tall cuz I never was like I was like who got the who got the worm though. And in that way I would say while they do have a romantical relationship, Adira and Gray are siblings in the tallhood, right? <laughs> like yeah. they are each a tall now. And right. Adira just happens to be the current tall. Gotcha. Okay, thank you for clarifying. I appreciate <laughs> you letting me uh, practice my wisdom. Speaking of practicing wisdom, t-t-t-tilly and cadets. Yes. 
I knew it. I was like, this is a setup. These cadets are going to come back when we most need them, after we've forgotten about them, and they're going to come back with all the thunder that we need. Um, what a cool moment for Tilly. Mm-hmm. What a cool yeah. moment. What a cool moment for her. What a cool moment for Adira. Um, we got to see shuttlecrafts for the first time. Yes. Like little AirPod Johns. Yes. Nice. <laughs> so I, I understand the purpose of them being marooned on that planet and all the obstacles they had to overcome. But I found it a little tedious. Like, I get it, but we had a lot other stuff going on. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that might have been... It wasn't the filler because it served a purpose later on in the season, but it felt like a filler because here we have diplomatic stuff with Navarre. We've got... um, the birth of Serena. Mm-hmm. We've got <laughs> we've got Colbert counseling book. We've got Burnham ultimately be taking on diplomatic responsibilities. So like all that is pretty heavy stuff. So Tilly and the cadets was also pretty heavy, and I felt like that was that was two episodes at once almost. This was one of those instances where I really wish they would give Discovery a longer season because we're getting we're getting overlap here. Um, in ways that I feel like probably could have been avoided. But anyway, shout out to Serena. We ship it. Woo-hoo. Yes, we do. We, we ship it. We ship it. Um, we like the Kelpie. We call it Kelpie and Vulcan flirt meditations. Um, tra- I'll say Trek Table, one of our favorite things is to look out for the Vulcan, Kelpie, and flirt meditations. Like, nice. It starts in this episode with the looks. Oh, oh no! I know. Is this the one where at the at the end they do the the he, she teaches him the basic child's meditation? Yeah, it's at the end. Yeah. Oh, and then okay. So this is one of those episodes. Also talking about Rillick and can we trust her? She showed herself to be a little slickety slick on the community. Manipulative. Tip. Yes, yeah. that too. Yes, that too. But yeah, I I would say so. I feel mm-hmm. like both her. And Tarina were a little manipulative here. <laughs> yes. And it's like, I get it, this is politics, mm. but given the the current climate of politics in this country, like I, I'm just I'm looking at all politicians sideways. I don't care what side of the fence you're on, I'm looking at you sideways because, you know, whose interests are you really serving? Are you serving your own political aspirations? Or are you serving the people that you are supposed to be, you know, representing? So this episode in particular, I was a little concerned that Disco was going to start getting, like, West Wing, you know? Totes. Can I ask a question? Did you all have an, a reaction that we got back to that moment where, like, this bridge called My Burnham, where, like, she's the answer to everything and, like, she's the, you know, she is a citizen of both Earth and Navarre. She is all, you know, and it... We spent so many time earlier in the seasons talking about Burnham as a responsibility hoarder, and here was a moment where story-wise they put her right back in the middle, which made sense contextually, but I had to have a moment of like, oh, she can't rest? Like, she can't just be a member of those communities and not have to represent and sit at the council and then mediate the connection or the multiplicity of those communities? So... That's something that I started to wonder in Burnham's role as the, you know, the liaison chair of this uh, oversight committee. Yeah, like, sis is busy. 
<laughs> she's busy. She's busy. She can't be on any more committees. She is booked. <laughs> she is literally booked Books, yes. and figuratively booked <laughs> and busy. Like, leave her uh-huh. alone. Like, just let her captain. She can't have one season where she's just mm-hmm. captaining. Come she on. has to wear multiple hats. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, mm-hmm. let's put a pin in that because I got, I have okay. nice thoughts. <laughs> you know, the other thing I didn't understand about her relationship with the president this season was how the president early on says, you know, you can't keep taking all these gambles, but yet the whole time she just keeps taking all the gambles. Nothing changes. Mm. Who, Rillick or Burnham? Or Burnham. Oh, Burnham no. keeps taking all the gambles. Right in the beginning, the president's like, you can't keep doing mm-hmm. this. It's too much at risk. Mm-hmm. But yeah. nothing changes. Yeah, because Burnham's like, I'm going to do my job. <laughs> the only way I know how to do it. And that's the way it's done. Like, I don't know who you talk to about me, but it looks like they were wrong. Because <laughs> I'm Michael Mother- Burnham and I do what I want, <laughs> whether I get permission to do it or not. And I, I just felt like, I mean, you're right, Sarah, in that she totally waved her finger at her, but then put her in a position where she could only be, you know, doing the most in that context so you know i definitely think you're on point with that it's like you know president Rillick. i i actually do want to know more about her backstory and where she came from what her history is because um literally being a captain (laughs) being a starfleet captain is literally about managing risks Mm. like they're literally there's no way around it if you play it safe you actually could do more harm by playing it too safe so yeah, I want to revisit mm-hmm. that and see, like, it's really coming from a super academic, like, conference room background, and she, like, just doesn't get how risk plays into captaincy. We do find out later in the season, Rillick is Starfleet. She went through the Academy. Or maybe we found that out in, in Kobayashi Maru. But there is all this allusion to the fact that she she says she, she'll share that. She also relies heavily on, well, I used to fly cargo jets for or cargo ships for my dad. So she starts to like patter in, here's my real world experience. But I agree, like she's a really fascinating character. I'm curious if we're going to get, if she's going to stay on the, on the show and we see her in season five. I mean, maybe they'll pepper her in the way they peppered in Vance. Admiral Vance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Admiral Longlegs, Ann, mm-hmm. how you doing? You need a mm-hmm. cup of tea or something? Mm-hmm. I'm going to get you a cup of tea. You hungry? Mm-hmm. I'm going to get you a sandwich. And Whatever you, you need. Mm-hmm. You saw his wife was a woman of color, right? Hello. Yes. Hello. Goodbye. And his mixed kid. Go ahead. Mixed Hello. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Blended Hello? family. Come on. Blended Hello? family. Hello. Goodbye. In my in my head cannon, they were all Palestinian. So it just 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 made oh, me feel. I love it. In my head cannon, they were Palestinian, <gasps> okay. and I was just like, y'all better That's exist. That's my head cannon now too. Oh y'all better God, be in I love space. that Kennedy. I love that. Come on, like, He's boy, yeah. to this day, like, from we we saw him back when he first came out in the 90s to, mm-hmm. like, this day. Like, come on, oh, dead fair. I want right. to shake his mother's hand. Come on, like, Go ahead, Ma. <laughs> come on. <laughs> come on. Um, okay, what's next? Um, the next episode, we learn that the DMA, a.k.a. the big beastie that's been destroying planets left and right, is not a natural occurrence that someone made that ish. Mm-hmm. And who on earth would do that? Comes out no, no one on earth. <laughs> it's no one. It's no one even in this galaxy. It's somebody else, and we are grossly underprepared um, for a multitude of things, including Doctor Ruan Tarka, mm. who who is <laughs> <It's> the worst. <laughs> I was pulling yeah. for Tarka. 
I really was. I was pulling for Tarka. I'm like, okay, I like people who go against the grain. Give me a, a brainy Ryzen. Okay, I like this. <laughs> um, but as we see, like, your man's was just hurting and was not allowing ration, rationality or, or logic or anything, you know, balance out that pain that he was experiencing. Um, this brings me to the examples, which are the people that they went to evacuate from the next, you know, potential disaster. Um, shout out to T- Commander Reese mm-hmm. for letting us know that he's a hurricane survivor. I love a little backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, with neat with now having the season in its completion, right? Mm-hmm. I forgot all about the examples. Mm-hmm. I forgot all about you know whatever politics got them there or or kept them there or whatever the hell. And I also forgot about the little little talisman thing that keeps mm-hmm. people's families and stuff. Like I felt like. I don't know. I felt like that was a little unnecessary. You know, I, I get it contextually, but it was definitely a forgettable plot point. How do you have a, a whole episode centered around these people and this notion of, you know, imprisonment and uh, bureaucracy and, and all of that stuff? And, pe- and it's forgettable, mm. you know? Um, that was definitely something that I was like, oh, yeah, that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, same. This, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, it just seems like the season was a little all over the place like that. Yeah. You know, they just kind of like jump into these side stories sometimes that didn't really have quite the payoff they were looking for. I, what I found interesting about this episode is it's the examples. It's about justice. Uh, two episodes before that, we saw Javini uh, go and try to exact... Um, you know, Quatmalat justice and try to take up justice for this lost cause. Um, throughout this season, we're looking at ways in which people are um, experiencing harm and experiencing justice and or accountability and or, you know, and maybe not in a full way, but I will say I, 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 I understand that. And I think this episode, what I found interesting about this episode is it also gave us that family tree moment. So we got to see Burnham kind of flush out her family tree. But whenever we're ready to talk about Zora, that that, that family tree imagery that came out of this episode uh, allows Zora to then have her moment of family tree around the sentience of Zora. But and not that I like that we're extracting process on top of different people who've been harmed, but. It's curious to me, especially because Burnham starts the whole series being the very first mutineer and the very first, you know, treasonous person in Starfleet and the way she was treated towards justice and where we get with Javini, where we get with even Book at the end of the season. So I'm curious as we keep talking, as we think about it, as maybe when we go back and rewatch it, is this a season about justice or accountability? I don't know. Definitely accountability. Definitely. Like there was, there's, that's, I would say for sure that that's been a running theme. Um, speaking of accountability, the scene where Kovic drags Colbert. Mm-hmm. Holy cats. Like I came to you because I needed a little bit of feedback. I didn't need you to drag me from here to Broad Street. Like this is my job. Like I'm, I'm at work. Do you really, can this wait? Mm-hmm. Like it was such Oof, like, I, I really hope to see... I'm glad we saw more of Kovic this season, but I really hope that we continue to see Kovic because he's such a real-life sounding board, um, not only for 
an audience perspective on the 32nd century, but also to give the crew of Discovery, you know, a, a point of reference for what's going on and what the mindset is, what the morale is at this point in time. That was intense. Shout out to, to Wilson Cruz for performing in such a way that I was ready to fight one of my favorite directors. <laughs> I was ready to be like, hold on, you can't talk to him like that. You don't talk to Cobra like that. Who are you? You just got here. Why are you wearing glasses in the 32nd century anyway? Like I was ready <laughs> to go in <laughs> before I realized yeah, it's a TV show, Kennedy. Relax. <laughs> um, well, did you have a, can I ask about Colbert and the transformation from just ship's doctor, which is not a just, but like a major position on the ship, right? And, and Dr. Pollard stays around too, but I'm curious, were you excited to see Colbert become also the ship's therapist? Did that feel like an extension that we were excited about? I'm just curious what other folks are thinking. I, I like- was. Um, I was excited to see that, but then I was also concerned because I I got the impression that he was not just the therapist now he was still like mm. the chief medical officer and i was like oh that's a lot of work and he's already clearly overworked and stressed and not getting enough him time um but it was exciting to see that position back on a ship i don't think any other show really i don't yeah i'm not caught up on everything but um it's been a while since we've seen a ship therapist and i was excited to see what that could be uh, with all the potential that it had on tng sarah what were you saying I was going to say, I appreciated that he didn't just jump into this role and turn out to be perfect at it. It Mm. was hard for him. It was difficult. Like, regardless of what effect he had, it was difficult for him on the inside. And that made it feel real Mm. and understandable and relatable. Yeah, I was, um, I, so on the one hand, hell yeah, more Wilson Cruz on Star Trek, right? (laughs) But on the other hand, I was a little triggered because I felt like here we are, in the future, in the deep, deep future, and once again, the emotional labor goes to a person of color. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that Colbert never really got a chance to heal from dying and coming back to life mm-hmm. and reintegrating into the not only a crew setting, um, but also you know being flung into the future and and all that fun stuff. Like I felt like he was taking on too much, and I felt that he was compensating mm. for you know for a whole bunch of things and i was as, as upset <laughs> as culver's conversation or as uh kovich's conversation with him made me mm-hmm. you know he was speaking nothing but truth like the whole bit about y- you feel obligated to help people because how else are you supposed to feel anything at all mm. was very much like okay before he starts counseling anybody who was your therapist Mm-hmm. You know, who who have you been talking to? Are you okay? Because mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to be telling you my deepest, darkest secrets if you mm-hmm. still have issues. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was a little protective of him taking on that much more responsibility. But, you know, in the broad scheme of things, who who in that crew mm-hmm. is doing that? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I probably would have liked it better if, if you know, more of the... If, if Pollard became the CMO. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I, I just love looking at Raven Dauda in that uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see how much of a part she had in it before. Like, I love the fact that they acknowledge that there could be multiple doctors in sickbay. Like, mm-hmm. not everybody's a nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I would have loved to see, you know, Colbert transfer those CMO duties to her so that he can focus on being ship's counselor. Mm-hmm. I agree um, with that. Yeah. 
Sure. I thought you said Paul, not Pollard, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's not a good idea. No! Danger, Will Robinson! <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Samus' right. bedside matter is probably trash! <laughs> How did you hurt yourself like this? What were you doing? What is wrong with you? Like, sir, just wave a light over it and let me go back to work. Damn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I will say, and I asked that question because I do remember earlier this season, Kennedy, like, you put that photo of book in the med bay bed, you know, um, flanked on either side by Dr. Pollard, Dr. Colbert, and Burnham. And so we get this image, like, that to me was also interesting of like, oh, you're right, if they had done a pass to Dr. Pollard and make her and made her chief medical, I was like, just again and again, in the way that teams are constructed, in the way positions are instructed, we're getting things in discovery that we're not getting um, in other, we haven't seen necessarily in other series yet. And just creates lots of new opportunities, I think, for us to just experience and witness for a lot of us, the some of the worlds that we live in and the worlds that we want to live in and the reflections of, yeah, we want to see people care about this um, this character, this person, because they have a bond with him now, too, you know? Yeah, for sure. Oh, oh I also want to shout out Michael yeah. Gray Eyes. Yes. In this episode before we move on to the next. Yes. Uh, really dope indigenous actor uh, playing Felix, who is like the, the main guest star of this episode. Yeah, I I've, I fell into the trapping of I don't I don't have a, a concrete term for this, but it's the hey we finally see representation from a marginalized group, but they're vilified. So I was a little butthurt to see that he was a convict, um, because I don't I can't you know outside of I don't even want to lump Chakotay into this, but Chakotay and the the few folk that we saw in the motion picture, like I don't I can't recall any indigenous representation in Trek. So I was right. a little like. Mm, why is he in prison though like this man can't be free let this man be free mm-hmm. and so I, I you know again i'm put, looking at it through a lens right. that is informed differently yeah totally i i feel that but also like we ev- every representation can't be everything you know yeah so sure. um so i i liked his role here and i actually do think him playing this person who was convicted and was i i really grokked what he was doing and what they did with this character and um, how accountable he remained. Um, and God, accountability has been a big discussion this week. No, we're not going to get into mm-hmm. that. But um, this was someone who was like, I was guilty of this. Let the others go. I do want to serve out my sentence. But also like his dignity showed how, um, how this sentence was uh, overkill and how, and like you were saying, Allison, about about justice this mm. you know i thought this episode was so much about like the hard extreme away from restorative justice to just punitive like lifelong punitive just locked up no chance of seeing the light of day and being made to be the example so i was like god could, could you see like michael gray eyes being cast at this as this felix was so perfect because he's he has so much fucking dignity and strength and like uh vulnerability and he's just like he, that guy has so many layers as an actor, and I was like, can you imagine what this, what his community could be if they had, you know, restored, you know, ha- given him, given him a chance at redemption rather than just made him to be an example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he totally ate up the scene for sure. Oh, yeah, he, he always does. He yeah. always does. And I think the way that when he gave back the the um, the family tree nobule, I, I or whatever that was, I feel like he was also trying to restore. He had stolen something from another indigenous family. 
And here was his way to give back this thing he had stolen from this family. And I do want to say shouts out to Disco because we get Queen Poe um, from the end of season two, who's a he in. And the way they introduce her is her name is Queen Mehani Kahani Kapo, which sounds very Hawaiian to me. So, yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. And the way she talks about being a sibling to her planet, she, her sister, like, so I, there is indigeneity running throughout. And I'm actually curious of um, some larger critiques because because of this episode and all the different ways I think disco is trying to show all the different parts of our communities. Yeah. Show indigenous people. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. I forgot to mention, and this is just like a sort of partly <laughs> talking about indigeneity. Um, and I think it's an episode, bef- the episode before episode four, I think was the mention of Mavi, mm-hmm. which is a Puerto Rican drink that has Taino roots to it. Oh no, Later um, on, later on, he drinks the Mavi. Oh, but he, I think they mentioned it earlier, and then, yes, 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 later he does drink it. But They yeah, mentioned so like, El Muerto La Parado. That's yeah, what they mentioned but, earlier. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. even, I don't think that's indigenous, so I think that's just some weird Puerto Rican thing that they <laughs> Oh, snap. Oh, snap. <laughs> Surviving um, colonization. Yeah. No, but it's, it's a real thing, but it's, I don't know what the, you know, I'll mm-hmm, look it up. I'll mm-hmm. look it up so I can know. But, um, but yeah, so just like, yes, they're sprinkling in indigeneity, and it it would be really good to see more of it, and I hope we do see more of it next season. Um, next episode, we've got book hallucinating because they get closer to the DMA, and the wave patterns or something triggered some stuff in his brain. It was a lot of techno babble there, um, but we see book's dad, mm-hmm. which was like, "Come on, two black men on Star Trek," um, and and dealing with father the, son duo. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Them entering the DMA, the the sheer unknownness of it like talk about boldly go where no one has gone before like no one on that ship was prepared remotely for what being inside the dma was like um and to see them maintain composure over top of the fact that they were all clearly panicked Mm -hmm. they didn't know what to do i thought was a really great nuance um that the actors were all able to able to convey um and then once again burnham sacrifices herself for the entire ship Mm mm-hmm which I'm like, girl, can you, you can't delegate this stuff to nobody. Like I need you to be okay. I need you to not keep flinging yourself into the path of danger. But you know, again, responsibility hoarder. Then we're moving on. We've got Zora's new agency. I, I, mm. Mm. <sighs> so I don't want to derail this too much. Cause we, we were coming <laughs> to the end here and people are probably going to be mad at me, you know, be mad in the comments, hit us up in the email, tweet at me, whatever. I have issues with um, artificial life gaining, I don't want to say advocacy because they can advocate for themselves, but I feel like with the exception of like data, right? Because that's a completely different set of wiring there. Um, Zora made me super uncomfortable. Like, I, your half-sphere data, maybe a little sprinkling of control still in there, we don't know. Um, and here you are in control of this ship, essentially, holding the, with the potential of holding the ship hostage. Um, now, um, withholding important information for what we need. Um, I'm all about, you know, respecting people's right to live, but Zora's not a person. And I felt like that whole discussion that they had helped me to understand the opposing point of view, 
but it still don't sit right with me. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm a little still too traumatized by season two mm. <laughs> and how they hacked Arium and all of that. That could be it. You know, I, I'm full, fully capable of admitting my own prejudices when it comes to this, but you know, maybe I'm triggered by Skynet and Alexa and, you know, <laughs> FBI agents listening to our conversations and algorithms listening to our conversations and showing us ads for things that we talked about. You know, like that that stuff makes me makes me nervous. And I recognize that it's only because humanity has not proven itself worthy of of, you know, allowing sentient life to to run things because we can't run things ourselves, apparently. Um but I'm curious to hear how other people feel about Zora's new agency. Oh, yeah. I was totally frustrated uh, with her withholding the information. <laughs> I was like, Zora, are you kidding me? Um, and uh, following along with the logic of this, I think, you know, if they weren't like careening head on into a galactic disaster. Right. Mm-hmm. They could have maybe like taken her offline and, and given her the space, like put her in a lab and give her the space to gain skills and knowledge and actually train her in Starfleet protocol, you know, <laughs> like, cause she hasn't had that. She's like, she has been the infrastructure. And then she, she's like the, she's like, as if the, the, what do you call them? The studs in the building wall mm. gain sentience and so, then had to like help out with making dinner. <laughs> like your job is to run the ship. Your job is to like hold the ship together. We don't need you making decisions, baby. Like no, I, I got problems giving her pronouns. For real, for real. Like as many yeah. people have to struggle to get people to respect their pronouns. Yeah. I, I just got a hard time giving this inanimate object pronouns. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I know that's that reads bad, but I just Zora isn't data now on the other hand i was kind of thinking like oh is are we gonna get like some andromeda nodgings are we gonna get Mm. zora gonna get an avatar are we gonna have our own little rami like what's up with that um but it doesn't look like they went that direction even though like as prejudiced as i was about it i was kind of like i could do for a for 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 a disco avatar i could go for a a a zora you know did you did you see the short track (laughs) If, if you watch one of the short tracks it jumps ahead in the future again and has a future where um, Zora does get, in some manner, get an avatar. Calypso um, is the episode title. Ooh. Yeah, I remember that episode. Aldris Hodge shout is out, in that, right? I was about to say, shout out to Aldris <laughs> Hodge. Looking all good stuff. Oh, that's um, what? That was Zora? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was also, like, again, so then it becomes this other kind of conversational question about the reference that was made was to Funny Face. And so did her self-projection... Because they also took time in the season to talk about how she chose her name and what Zora means in multiple Earth languages and, you know, Federation um, standard languages. So she had this moment around what her name is. And I just had a moment of like, oh, funny face. I wouldn't have gone there. So that's a totally a Calypso moment. So, yeah, shout out to that short trick. I need to rewatch that because now I'm making that like Winona Ryder like math equation space because <laughs> i can't i'm like where in the timeline does that episode fit in then yeah super future short tracks are like but aldis hodge right we don't so Who that is he then I'm so exactly confused. so now that we we apparently zora and the and the ship survive whatever happens to them like, I, I I don't know if that was a glimpse as to what's going to happen ultimately in Discovery or if that was just, like, amusing that they threw away as, like, a short track. People like, hey, we can do something with this. Or 
or what. But I was like, because also because Zora in that ep, in that uh, short track hadn't had her her retrofitting yet. That's huh. true. So there are some continuity issues. That's true. Oh well, that might be just because of they made it you know so far before season four existed, right? Didn't Maybe. they make that like mm-hmm. a, yeah. a couple seasons ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be it, but who knows? And I guess I just, I honor, like, there was so much in this season about Zora's sentience. And, like, I heard, you know, just going back to that original question, like, I struggled with it. But part of me was also, like, I bought into where I where they told me she would be in the future. So I appreciate you, Kennedy, asking these questions because now I'm like, uh, I really got to think about this. And do I, you know, where do I believe consciousness exists and begins and would a being who was impacted in all these ways, like, I think what discovery is asking us to consider is that instead of a, with all of the data, AI will not make the choice to become evil. AI could make the choice to become compassionate and emotionally intelligent and present and aware. AI also real stingy with pertinent information in the middle of a crisis. So I don't true. know. <laughs> That's true. I felt like. Mm. I think they made it a little bit more interesting than data because data Okay, at least once a season, Data would, like, lose control and put the entire ship in danger. (laughs) But he didn't, like, consciously choose to disobey. He obeyed orders always when it was within his control. I think it made it more interesting that Zora chose not to for the right reasons, for what to her were the right reasons. Right, but I Uh, would... Can I just... One last thing? I would argue Data is deeply informed by the, the crew family he was a part of. I invite us to consider who is the crew family Zora is a part of and is Zora's behavior indicative of Mama Mama Michael Burnham, right. Daddy oh. Saru, wow. plus the queer space daddies and that fam bam. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. And not for nothing, Data went through Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Zora didn't right. do none That's of that. Insane. They out here That's handing insane. out they out here exactly. handing out combinations <laughs> and pips and whatnot. Like well, we don't have a whole academy a whole new academy full of cadets. Mm-hmm. You mean to tell me we can't build her a little avatar real quick, send her to the academy, make sure she's on the point? Mm-hmm. Come on now. I was getting real matrixy skynet mm. architect vibes from this one and I was just like, mm, I don't like it. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll 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 hold off. I still don't trust her. I, I'm I'm cool if everybody else is cool. So the Galactic Assembly happens, which was cool because we had multiple levels of all the different peoples. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to see some other Cardassians. We got to see some other Ferengi. We got to see some Lorians. Those are Morn's folk. Um, so it was good to see that. Uh, I love how his whole species is just Morn. It's like, bro, those are mm. a whole other species <laughs> of people. They're called Lorians. Thank mm. you. Um... <laughs> And um, Tarka and Book starting their bromance. Tarka and Book, a.k.a. the Getaway Kids. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they got away with everything. Um, then we move on to uh, All In, which I think is a turning point for the season. Because not only do we get a little bit of smattering of the past of Book and Burnham's relationships, like Dela was saying earlier. But we also got to see uh, Joanne, oh wow, oh wose cool. Holding it down. Sis was like, put me in, coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> put me I Who, Who's got beef? This, episode. this big mother sucker? I got it. Put me in here. Let me handle him. I swear to God, she hustled that man through four rounds only to beat his ass in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we finally got like a legit Owosakun 
episode. Mm-hmm. Finally. Mm-hmm. And it was so good. We need mm-hmm. more of her, please. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and I, I love the, the little black girl moments in that too, right? When when uh before the fight actually started and Burnham was like trying to place the bets and rile the crowd up, she was like, Joanne, oh wow. Oh, oh so good. <laughs> and oh, oh looked at her like, What the fuck? <laughs> what is you saying? Girl, if you don't shut up like it was those those great little cultural moments that give me joy that they made it to the future. Mm-hmm. You know, that some of that stuff is intrinsically a part of us and not, you know, subject to the times that we live in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, yes, all this episode, I was so excited to see a Wosakun. And this was one of those episodes where I felt like we really got Book and Burnham in their gap year. And um, the host of the betting space, I forget his name, um, Haas. Haas. And then the Haas and his nicknames for them and just like, yeah, I want to know that story. I mean, we get to hear it, but what I appreciate is it's now real in context with Owosakun now. It's not just something they know. It's like, no, Owo can go back to the ship and be like, y'all, you know what I saw on the surface? <laughs> like, here's right. some things to share in the mess hall, you know? Just them showing up in that gambling hall in uniform. I was like, yo, what is y'all doing? Me too. I was like, wait, are we sure about this? I was like, yo. girl, do you mm-hmm. know we can see you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was very confused about that choice. Yeah, I was very mm-hmm. afraid for them. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You couldn't, y'all, where's your away team right? leather? <laughs> you couldn't put the away team leather on for this, Michael? Come on, Michael, what you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, but with... Another cool thing, circling back to Colbert with Book going rogue, uh, Colbert took it personally and took it as a failing of his lack of counseling or, or any of that and, you know, went on a Puerto Rican cleaning spree in his, <laughs> in his quarters like they don't have droids for that. And I just, just, just really good stuff there. Um I'm just a big fan of of that whole episode. It was really, really a turning point. Um, And I I feel like the season needed it at that point. There was a lot of talking. There was stuff going on, but it was lots of, you know, rationalizing and and coming to to agreement with things and everything coming up to that point. So getting getting to see um, some action. I don't don't just mean the fight. I mean, like, the action on the table, too. Mm. Like, seeing Michael... Just seeing Michael's path, right? Seeing this rigid almost Vulcan person in season one to somebody who can turn a switch in season four and joke around and kiki like everything's everything. Like she would not have been able to do that early on, you know, like mm-hmm. season one, season two, Michael would have been lost. They would have been like, get out of here, Starfleet. What are mm-hmm. you doing? Um, so I, I just appreciated seeing her path culminate to that and, and the skills that she developed, developed along the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was also the episode where we find out that the, it's boromite, boromite mm. that the DMA is mining. And things start to take shape. And yeah, I think uh, in the same ways that you said this was a turning point for the whole season, I think knowing finally what the DMA is designed to do, start that from here on out, the rest, the back half of the season was just pointing straight to the 10 seat and just like, okay. We have direction. We have some context of why this thing is doing what it's doing. And now we're just going to start revealing, 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 and learning more and more until the triumphant moment when we do. Right. And we find out that changelings are still around. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, still right. being messy. <laughs> still being 
girl, if you don't go back to your pool, leave us alone. <laughs> Wait, remind me. Tell, can we recap the just the changelingness in this? In this? So they were uh, Haas tasked um, Book and Tarka with finding out who was. Uh, fixing the games, who was who was counting cards essentially, and they couldn't figure out who it was at first because it was multiple people until Book watched her change, um, and we realized it was a change because she straight up tried everything. She turned into a triple at one point <laughs> to get out of the way. Wow! Um, mm-hmm. But I was like, damn, y'all just so all of y'all, even in the future, you just can't mm-hmm. keep to yourselves, huh? Mm-hmm. You just got to be messy always. Cool, cool, cool. I, tight, tight, tight. I feel like in every genre that there's a changeling or a shifter, they kind of always get relegated these types of jobs because, mm-hmm. like, they have a skill set that no one else has. So if you if someone pays them enough money to do that, yeah, I get it. I get why changelings are <laughs> are like. They're like the perpetual assassins, the perpetual, like, sh- you know, shifty. I said shifty. Ha ha. I mm-hmm. meant it, you know, funny, <laughs> too. Uh, but yeah, I get it. It's funny. It's very funny. I wonder what happened to the Dominion then. Right? Mm-hmm. How do you go from trying to conquer the galaxy to trying to scam a casino? That's called humble pie. <laughs> <laughs> That's called humble pie. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Odo served it to them in a tuxedo. Though. Oh, Odo in his tuxedo. Mm-hmm. I love him. <laughs> humble pie but i do wonder what happened to the gem hadar and mm-hmm. the vorta like how do you what happens to you on the heels of that you know mm-hmm. yeah. um i was i was low-key like fingers crossed hoping to see a gem hadar in the galactic assembly but you know alas no dice um moving on Co- return of commander non yes doing what she does best keeping people honest mm-hmm I really love that they brought her back to serve this purpose in particular because I feel like that crew has had enough outsiders trying to tell them what to do and how to do it. Um, so to have one of their own be there who has who has been through what they had been through um, to try to, to keep them on on the straight and narrow was, was very cool. Um, and once again, Book and Tarka doing the most, hitching a ride. Just, just, uh, mm. The more they teamed up, the harder it became to hold space for compassion for Tarka. So the next episode, at least for me, anyway, um, despite the fact that Sean Doyle's fine as hell, like I was like, come on, dog, like what you doing? Um, which was perfectly timed because in this next episode, we see Oros for the first time, and we see that Tarka does have a heart and can actually, you know, be a, I don't want to say be a human being, but, you know, be a compassionate being that uh, values relationships to the point where he's willing to pierce the void to get his friend back. Um, we also, go ahead. My, one of my only, like, major gripes about the season was I think the Oro stuff happened too late for us. I, I mm. needed to see that stuff earlier to really get a handle on Juan Tarka why why just why because <laughs> i a lot of the season with him i was just frustrated with him and it wasn't just the type of frustration that's like oh this character so like really you know like oh why is she like this Arr! it was just like i don't get there's something huge missing and i need to know what it is for me to buy into this person and everything that he's doing and everything like why book would just glom onto him so i did feel like until we got Oros, I just felt really disconnected from the Ron Tarka stuff. I feel like that was on purpose, though. 
I feel like I'm they, sure it was. They wanted us I, to be like, yeah. who the hell is this? Oh, he does have a heart. Look at this tender ass moment between these dudes. This is mm-hmm. kind of freaking sweet shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can't just flat out be like, who is this guy? Get him out of here. Like, oh, wow. He's got he's got motivation. But when we did get it, I was like, oh, yes, thank you. This is this is what I wanted. Something to sink my teeth into emotionally with Tarka. Instead of just seeing, okay, he's a bad guy. He's going to turn. Like, it was very clear to me he was going to turn. So I was like, why is everyone putting up with him? Yeah, I, I thought they were honestly going to give him, like, a redemption arc kind of jam towards the end there. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm kind of, spoiler alert, glad that they didn't. Yeah, um, it felt like they wanted to up until the end, right? Like, yeah. they could have. And I wanted to mention, like, when we were in episode eight, All In, it was the first time we saw Tarka do really fast kind of engineering magicalness and, like, be his super um, techie guy self so that I I realized that's the first time we see him. He's trying to chat. He's trying to catch the changeling. So he's, like, doing whatever he's doing to catch them with some kind of cool electronic upgrade of something. And And then he does this again several times on book ship. So I realized that in the all in they set up this book Tarkaness around Tarka is the stamets of their relationship. And so at a certain level, book is going to trust Tarka more because he brought the spore drive 2.0, you know, he's going to do this thing to get the changeling so that they don't lose their chance to get what they need from Haas, you know? So yeah, in this moment, I, I, I appreciated Oros, but part of me was like, yeah, this was just that moment where I'm like, cool, you're in a, potentially same gender relationship i can still think you're gross or i can still you know like i just had this moment of like i appreciated the backstory and i see how they positioned my expectation of relic versus my expectation potential of tarka did you did y'all have can i ask that like relic versus tarka who did you think was going to be more evil in the end tarka but I'd say I was rewatching The Expanse season three when this is on, when Tarka, <laughs> the same actor who plays Tarka is the villain, so I was against him 100% mm. the whole time. I I was pulling for Tarka to be good, but I, I was still in the ropes about, about Relic. You know, I was like, either one of them could go one direction or the other, so I was kind of... At this point <laughs> in Discovery, I have learned to just trust what they put in front of me. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, no, I'm not, I'm not speculating it, yeah. anymore. I'm mm. just, whatever you put in front of me, yeah. I'm sure you've thought it out. So I'm going to just wait until it airs mm-hmm. um, or until we get the screeners, whatever mm-hmm. happens first. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like the fact, not to dwell on this because I'll, I'll move past it soon. Um, I like the fact that the nature of Tarka and Oros's relationship was not clearly defined. Mm-hmm. You know, there was not a definitive, yes, this is my partner or no, he's just a friend. It was just this is somebody who I care very deeply for and I'm literally going to move heaven, earth and multiple other planets out of my way to get to them. Um, so I appreciated that it was two men who, uh, or at least male presenting people who, you know, didn't have a clearly defined relationship dynamic. They could just exist with each other, um, the way that they did. So I thought that that was really meaningful. Um, particularly because disco can be a little heavy heavy handed on its uh portrayal of marginalized groups so the fact that they were just there existing in their own skin was i felt most impactful uh than anything else um they did pierce the galactic barrier holy cats the first (laughs) ship to do it disco just doing all the things Mm -hmm. first um 
I mentioned Dr. Harai in my notes because the idea of a communication specialist being unable to talk to people <laughs> was just, just, mwah, it was just glorious. Not only is, you know, the actor gorgeous to look at, but just the fact that this man was so advanced, you know, in terms of methods of communication, like that he failed on an interpersonal level. While I, I would have preferred him being called into line by someone other than Rillick, because I, I didn't like the optics of a person of color being tone policed by mm-hmm. a white woman or a white presenting woman. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciated the fact that, you know, it was done. Um, and I, I think that she did it in a way that wasn't too, too Karen E. Mm-hmm. And I would, I, I feel that, and I would say I realize in later episodes, in episode 12, maybe, and 13, there comes a point where Rillick is at a table with Harai and Burnham and Saru, and they're trying to make a decision about what to do to communicate with the 10C. And Burnham and everybody proposes something, and Rillick actually looks at Harai, and he does a nod, and then she says, okay, yeah, let's do that. So there is this interplay between them, Um so yeah, I I had that moment too of like, Ugh, why is she trying to say this to him? And then I thought, okay, he's her Admiral Vance right now. Yeah, it is her job to check yeah. him in yeah. this capacity. So I had to like again, the show does really good, great job at, at challenging one's prejudices. Mm-hmm. But now we get into the meat and potatoes. We find ten, species Ten C's planet or a planet that they used to live on. There's emotions <laughs> everywhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> literally in the ground, in the air. Everybody's. Every time everybody's touching things and feeling feels, yeah. The only one kneeling down in it, yo, breathing in it. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna touch this. Like I was so. It reminded me of that movie Prometheus, where these Mm. scientists go halfway across the galaxy to a new planet. What do they do? They take their helmets off. Like, bro, what is wrong with you? You didn't read a manual. Detmer was the only one that kept her hands to herself, and was the only one. I was hoping that the reason why she wouldn't. She wasn't affected by it was because of her implant, but yes, they did not say that. I waited I know. for that too. I was hoping. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that her having cybernetic components in her body prevented her from being affected the same way as everybody else. But whatever, it's fine. When Michael Burnham touched that pillar, I was like, no, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> I was like, sis, what you doing? Right. Um. So that was good stuff. We see Reno counseling Adira. And that cool little moment for Adira geeking out over Detmer, knowing how far Detmer's come for Adira to be like, fly good! <laughs> um, which was a cool shout out to uh, season two with with Pike telling her to fly good. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really cool seeing Adira. Adira, who is this incredibly brilliant person, um, still getting, you know, like, fe- like starstruck. And looking up to people, the fact that, that they still have the capacity to, you know, aspire to to something greater than their than their present, you know, state, being as as great as they are inherently, it's just like mm, this is there's there's merit in that. I love the fact that Adira isn't isn't cocky like Stamets. Can I tell you a little side story? Yes. So um, they showed this episode on the cruise. Um, Emily Coots introduced it. It was awesome, but it was wow. also. You felt a little called out when they're telling Adira how to talk to the people that she's starstruck by. <laughs> <laughs> when you're surrounded by the celebrities. Oh. 
I see. Like, just talk to them. Yeah, I will say I totally love, oh my gosh, Adira and uh, Detmer. I feel like, yeah, it fills out the, also just the connection that they all have together. And I will say it just, there were so many moments in this episode and the final episode where Adira is just so light and bubbly and super excited to just be as smart as they are and be accepted and like just honoring how much they're flourishing as an environment and um, and that we get that, you know, queer auntie moment with Reno where Reno's like, yeah, yes. just go, you know, just go. So that it also then pays off in the next episode when Reno says to Stamets, like, good luck. What does she call him? Like cougar something? Bobcat. Or, Bobcat. Thank you. She called him Bobcat back in when they landed in the future. She's yes. like, back at you, Bobcat. Yes. <laughs> and Cobra was like, did you just call my man Bobcat? Mm-hmm. And she was like, I, it's the drugs. Um, <laughs> yeah, shout out to Auntie Reno counseling Adira um, and just having that. Uh, are you serious? You're geeking out over this one? Do you know what this one is like? <laughs> okay, kid. Okay, mm-hmm. kid. Whatever. Do you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that Tarka turned around and kidnapped Reno, mm-hmm. I was like, you mother. Like, mm-hmm. whatever compassion whatever space i held for tarka and it went went out the window out the airlock when he kept when he kidnapped reno we don't see reno enough as it is who the hell are you to be taking her off this i was heated i was heated i was so scared i thought he was gonna kill her right me too Mm -hmm. i thought reno was gonna Mm -hmm. die i was mad Mm -hmm. i was very mad yeah, I, I was worried, too, because Notaro has a new show, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Like, I did the Hollywood I did the Hollywood math, I wondered. So, yeah, I was super. I also felt like it also gave me this moment where I had compassion for Tarka. I was like, oh, you're a smart scientist person who grew up on Risa, where everyone thought you were just an egomaniac and didn't actually know how to speak to you in a way that feels resonant and exciting. And here's Reno, who had a way who has a way in this family with Stamets. Like, I just remember all those magical moments with Reno, Stamets, and Tilly, right? And and, yeah. and and just the way that Reno has a way to sandpaper down the egomaniacal scientist. And so I did have a compassion moment of like, oh, if Tarka had been in a community where he had had access to people like this, who could he be? Right, for sure. And I love the fact that you're like it's I mean that's auntie is the perfect title for for Reno because she not only counsels Adira when they're going through their mess she not only calls out Stamets when he's being Stamets but she also counseled Colbert a couple seasons ago when he was like I don't know if I'm gonna stay on the ship I don't mm-hmm. think I'm gonna break up and and she was like yeah um stop it <laughs> stop it go get your mans mm-hmm. <laughs> like stop playing mm-hmm. go get your bobcat like come on <laughs> um i really appreciate somebody like reno not only being in starfleet but also choosing to serve on this ship too told and she did it with book right with the whole when we have loss when we have pain this is why like i saw my wife's eyes in that person who I made stay alive for 11 days. You are connecting to it. Like just also offering a path. I was like, how are they going to offer us a path to have compassion and openness for book in the complexity of the Starfleet rules? Cause right. he's and done it, so many things. He's got it. I mean, ah, you know, straight to the brig. Do not pass code. <laughs> Do not collect $200. <laughs> Reno realistically was the only one who would have been able to sit him down and talk to him like that. Cause everybody else would have been informed by not only his relationship with Michael, but his in individual relationships with them. So I think Reno being a little bit more hands-off, being able to be objective, um, and being 
as how did, I never met somebody who was smoothly abrasive like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But the fact that she was able to do that was really just on point because as we see in the next episode, <laughs> shit hits the fan. And it it's just, I don't, this episode in particular, culminating this season and the series thus far, like, I don't understand how people can sit there with a straight face and say they don't like discovery like this is giving us all of the trek things that we love the most there's drama mm-hmm. there's romance there's intrigue there's new places there's new people and then we literally got a uh, first encounters of the third kind flashing lights bing 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 mm-hmm. bing bing like what else mm-hmm. can you possibly mm-hmm. i mean you mm-hmm. have just we pulled out all of the communicators. We got mm-hmm. the old ones. We got the new ones. We got the ones in between. We have a literal walking communicator guy. Like, his whole jam is talking to people, even though he can't. <laughs> and we got all the best minds in the fleet on this on this very important task. And y'all hitting us with lights and feelings? What? Hold on. Let me get, let me get my manual. I don't know how to do this. I can't. What you mean? You know? So to, to have them interact with them in that way and then for the getaway kids to almost futz it up. Oh, well, let's talk briefly about Ndoye, too. Mm-hmm. Oh! Oh my god, I love her so much. <laughs> Even, I love I her so much. adore the actress. Yes. Um, the character I was very mad at. I understood everything. I, I was like, sis, you're wrong, but I feel you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like... You're wrong here, but I yeah. feel you. I'm going to hold your hand mm-hmm. till we get to the point where I can tell you and you can fully understand why mm-hmm. you're wrong because you're experiencing this through pain. Mm-hmm. You're, yep, you're looking yep, at yep. this from a place and of pain, fear, right? mm-hmm. fear, panic, someone who's clearly well-versed mm-hmm. on what can happen, someone who cares about an entire species, a planet's worth of people to the point where she's willing to go behind backs and, and betray and, and do espionage. Can we talk about the fact that Book almost died four times when he tried to corner Sis in the hallway? Four times. Right? Mm-hmm. Four times four he times. almost died. Four times on deck 13. Four times. Four times, bro. If, if you... I, there's only so okay. many times you can try to shank me before I'm like, you know what? Never mind. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, leave. Go I'm gonna run away now. Right, right. He also approached her in a way that felt a little bit... Uh, who are you on the street right now? Like he came up behind her and put his hand out instead of being like, hi, I'm here. Like I would have turned around and, and I would have punched him. You know what I mean? Like who, wait, uh, mm, mm. so I just, I want to acknowledge that he was trying to be covert and I had my own, I, I got a little bit like, Oh, safety dude. Tell her you're there. Don't just touch her. <laughs> I mean, he definitely had it coming. Cause he did. I mean, there's that. Uh, but also, when I when I really sat there and unpacked that, like programmable matter means that they can have whatever weapon they want. She chose a shank. Do you know how badass you gotta be to pick a tiny ass weapon on purpose? That means you gotta get up in my face before I shank you a couple times. Listen, just the whole principle of a South African Zulu woman being the protector of Earth. Come on, mm-hmm. come on. Mm-hmm. I feel safe with Endoye uh-huh. being the general of mm-hmm. Earth. I know she's wrong, but I feel mm-hmm. safe. We can talk about where she's wrong later. Mm-hmm. I know until mm-hmm. we determine why she's wrong precisely. I'm gonna be okay. <laughs> we can have the court martial later. Oh God, I love Fumzile. Fumzile, she's, she's dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she mm-hmm. she ate that roll up. She was uh, really really great. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Another one where I was like, 
I forgot this was a show. Like, <laughs> she's so great. She just sinks into that role. Just, uh, and when she stepped up, when Burnham was about to be like, I'm going to send every delegate to their quarters. Like, we cannot have this. Yeah. And she walks yeah. up. She's like, it was me. Like, let me tell you yep. why. Here Love it is. It. Accountability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm, I'm willing. And I know you're mad at me. But if you need help, I'm still here to serve you. Yeah, you'd be mad if you want, but mm-hmm. I did what I did. I said what I said. I'll be mm-hmm. over here if yeah. you need me. <laughs> so then we yeah. get her, you know, I'm going to go in the solo pilot thing and I might die in the shuttlecraft and I'm going to make the final sacrifice. And then we get a very redemption arc, arc, right? She doesn't die in the explosion. And um, and we get to see her later when we're back on Earth or we meet, you know, president of Earth. But so I just I appreciated Ndoye's journey and that we met her in season three. And who she was in that season three and where Earth was and Titan was and all the things that ha- were happening there. I appreciated that we got to see the growth and that they're they're mapping they're mapping this this time and and the current Federation for us in interesting ways. Yeah. And, and the nuance of her arc as mm-hmm. well. In the begin at the uh, Galactic Assembly a couple episodes back um, when. You know, she's like, Captain Burnham. And Burnham's like, uh, General Ndoye. They had an okay, girl, you mm-hmm, better moment. Mm-hmm, and here come mm-hmm. real like, hi, guys, can we be friends? The way, <laughs> the way Ndoye looked at her, like, you don't see me talking to my sister? What the hell is you doing here? Michael, I'll holler at you later. And gave her the up down, like, don't come at me like that again. I just, I love, I love, I love everything about Ndoye. And I will die on that hill. I don't care. Like, she was wrong, but that's okay. Because guess who's still here? <laughs> the human race. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we communicate with Species 10C. They end up being like, oh, snap. My bad. We didn't realize. <laughs> Y'all were sentient. Uh, right? Excuse us. Let's, Your let's tiny go. little specks. You right. also have feelings? Uh oh, mm-hmm. you can talk? That's bonkers. Mm-hmm. We didn't even That's know. Adorable. Look mm-hmm. at you with your little ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Wait, we did the equation that you told us would make you have happy feelings. How come you are not happy? Right. Whoa, someone said, Oh, look at you. Look at the little mouth breathers in their ship. Look at you. <laughs> look at you getting all the way out right. here. Are you guys lost? How did you get out here? Did anyone else feel like when they did the book reveal, I was like, why does this feel like the most magical moment in Star Trek? I was just like, do the pixie dust. Spray it. Spray it. Here comes book out of the light. Go, go, go. Oh, I, I was weeping by then. So, yes. <laughs> this whole this whole episode, they really got me because I was I literally was weeping through the whole thing. Like, I'm not exaggerating. I was just weeping with happiness with fear with anger with like everything they got me good they got me good yeah when we thought book had died i started crying not for book but for michael Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i was crying for michael i'm like what else does she need to go through Mm -hmm. like can you let her like i was just like what else does like come on and and it brings me to another point that we can revisit after we talk about the president reveal like i i just i just what is it with modern media and their fixation on seeing black women endure suffering like what what else what possible else can michael burnham go through like can you just leave her alone can you just let her pilot the ship please like please just please please give her a break if the next season of Discovery doesn't include five solid episodes of them on shore leave, I'm going to be heated. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this crew deserves it. This crew mm-hmm. deserves five whole seasons on <laughs> Riza or wherever else they choose to go. Mm-hmm. I would love 
a Dixon Hill esque <gasps> Burnham episode. Whatever her Dixon Hill Get is. It. Like, let it be low stakes. Because you're right, like, all of the stuff she... Because I was thinking, I was like, well, if she doesn't get challenged and go through stuff, there's no show. But I was like, wait, no, no, no. There were episodes of TNG and even Voyager where the stakes were lower, but still they, it was like... It was more, like, interpersonal stuff and, like, character growth that was, like, on a smaller scale of I have to save the universe every two seconds. Mm-hmm. So that would be nice to, like, get some something for like that with Burnham. Yeah, and not just we have to save the universe every two mm. seconds. I, me, uh, yeah, yeah. I need to put my, my physical body between whatever is endangering everything else mm-hmm. and everything else. And I was just like, I need sis to have a seat. I truly mm-hmm. do, because I'm worried for your mental health at this point. I know Colbert's good at his job, but uh, I, I just I just need you to, to have a seat, hon. Um, but anyway, everything's all good. The Tensi was like, oh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> Never mind. Great to meet you. Bye. <laughs> and book your signal felt important, so we held on to it in stasis. And here you are, you know, like, going to roll you out of this little orb of light. Like, just... Literally got caught up in the transporter buffer. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> Classic, um, did yes. anyone else clock that when Harai was trying to talk about when they sent the first orb for them to get in and they wrapped it in peace uh, vibes? Hirai almost actually said, oh, it's like they're telling us we come in peace. So they mm-hmm. did this little like, no, I just appreciated that little nod of like, oh, and then if we think about the very first episode of the very, of the season and the whole we come in peace moment. So one of my favorite movements. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I, Kuvma was like, beware these, mm-hmm. these shiesty mofos. Oh, here they go. Here they go. Look, 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 look. Here they go. See? Mm-hmm. Back on the bullshit. So I mm-hmm. just really <laughs> appreciated seeing the other side of that. That's a, that's mm-hmm. a great point. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, everything's great. They pull out. Everything's fine. No one dies. We bring Tilly, Tilly back. Tilly and cadets back at the last minute to save things. Her and Vance have a cool little we might die shot together. I don't know where that flask came from because I know them uniforms don't got pockets, but whatever. Um, that was cute. Oh, the the uh, USS Mitchell? Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just have to say I was so happy was to see that. as well. Um, and the Yelchin was also there. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then the, the USS Janeway was the one that encountered the DMA in the first place. Yes. And the uh, Tapal, right? The yeah. N- the NFS Tapal or Navarre, whatever they call their designation. Right, right, right. Sorry. Yeah, no, um, you're right. So it's, <laughs> I was just like, I will just say, like, it was such an exciting. I will say as a person who has facilitated and has to talk to people about feelings, it was super exciting to have this crossover moment in Star Trek to be able to have, like, I just love this idea of emotional hydrocarbon clusters and like feelings, like the feeling, like I'm almost, I almost want to ask like, what's the feeling periodic table and how can we use this variation of feelings? And just like Colbert said to Stamets, right? I put my hand in that stuff down on that planet and it felt really nice. I felt good. And I looked at Colbert and I was like, oh, maybe we should have a conversation about, you know, like, is this, like, I just was like, oh, that could be a drug. He he misses yeah. it so much. He wants to feel good. So yeah. just all of like, that. Mm-hmm. I was like, does he miss climbing or is he on a substance? <laughs> like, what is it? That's the, we got to unpack mm-hmm. that later mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Um, please don't tell me he's been playing that damn game because <laughs> I'm, I have concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, but as everybody gets their, their flowers and their laurels, we see the one and only president of earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. The internet breaker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the breaker One. of internet. Yes, first of her name, Stacey yes. Abrams. Yes. Yes. Oh my god. As if Disco already wasn't flushing out the bigots. Like, mm-hmm. you want to yeah. talk breaking the internet. Oh my god, the right had their panties in a bunch. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. They were so jealous. They were so mad. And it's like if they had sat there and watched the episode, there was no campaigning. There was none of that. It was just, hey, I'm a human being. Thanks for looking out. (laughs) Like, that was was it. Thanks for letting us not die. Um, They were just mad that she got to be in the future and they didn't. Yo, Mm -hmm. sis was in here with her natural curl pattern with them cornrows. Look. Look, Mm -hmm. listen. Mm -hmm. That cape that she had. Oh, my gosh. Apparently that's like Earth fashion. All of high-ranking Earth people get capes because oh, Endoye mm-hmm. had a cape and her cute little hat, mm-hmm, feathers. Mm-hmm. I really hope she took yeah, that. Yeah, she said mm-hmm. she wanted to. She said she wanted to take a lot of stuff home. But oh my <laughs> gosh, I'm sure. Did can I just like when you saw that it was Stacey Abrams? Like, what was your reaction? Because I totally like I was watching on my headphones, trying not to bother somebody else, and I totally had to pump my fist and be like. <laughs> and so I'm like over here like having a whole moment and person's like what are you doing I was like sorry really amazing Star Trek thing just happened <laughs> I uh, I lost my mind it was normally we get the screeners like the weekend before tell it oh my it gosh. drops but we got that screener like the night before yes yes got, it was less than 12 hours yes. and I had work to do I had other stuff going on and I couldn't get home to watch it in a reasonable hour and it was like 3am and Stacey Abrams walks out on Star Trek and I lost my fucking mind I lost my mind I, I just got finished crying for Michael <laughs> like, like I was like this, I need I need a break I'm so glad this is the end of the season because I need a break I can't this is too much my heart my heart it was spoiled for me on Instagram Oh. It was also spoiled oh. for me. But it still felt good yes. to see it, right? It did. it did, but I was mad because I would have liked to have been surprised for that, especially. Mm-hmm. I think that was, like, the one thing that got spoiled for me all season, and if that was the one thing people could not <sighs> keep to themselves, I understand. I understand, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm still mad about it. <laughs> Yo, I was hella mad about the spoilers, because as someone who has to sit on these episodes, like, I can't even... I can't talk to Oops. anybody about these. Right. Like, for, for me to have to keep quiet about everything, <laughs> mm-hmm. for that to... I mean, just people on the internet are terrible with spoilers anyway, whether you use the hashtag or not. Like, I try to keep Picard, you know, to itself until I can actually sit down and watch it, and I just have to stay off the internet because mm-hmm. people can't keep their mouths shut, and it's frustrating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I finally just muted Picard on Twitter. Mm. Spoilers were just relentless. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, y'all, just, I can't. You want to watch it, right? Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, I want to find out by watching it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and like, not feel rushed to watch it, like, immediately when it drops, you know? <sighs> but be that as it may, holy cats, what a season. But I did want to come back around because I want to ask you, Kennedy... What are your thoughts on the Zora uh, missing Reno getting kidnapped situation? Mm. You know what I mean? I, I thought that was something that was pretty engineered. But I'm also like, um, you, are you just supposed to be sentient? You can't tell right. that you're missing a heartbeat? <laughs> you can't tell <laughs> that you're missing somebody? Uh-uh, you're fired. Mm-hmm. You're demoted. Give me that pit back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was wondering. I was like, did it make you um, be more frustrated with them? Or was it kind of the same? You were just like, oh, goodness. Yeah, it was, it was, oh, yeah. yeah, it was just kind of like, I get it. Like, 
any other time a crew member on any other series was no longer on the ship, but their communicator badge was there, you know, the computer's like, whatever, such and such is located on deck 13 or whatever. Um, and then it's when you get there, you're like, oh, that's weird. So the fact that they didn't think to be like, Zora, where is Reno? Oh, her communicator badge is here. Then like, th- that, I feel like that could have been avoided very much quicker um but i also yeah. kind of wrote it off as tarka being that nice with it too uh-huh um, yeah yeah that's true it was a good plan and it worked um i i thought i, I thought it was funny because of course you know the audience at that point we're, we're ahead we know why we know that reno's not there way before that they do mm-hmm. but i thought it was funny that when zora the sentient La- the sentient uh, mind that is running the ship now says, I don't feel good. I feel funny. They weren't immediately freaked out. I would have been like, wait a minute, you're the ship and we're in here. We need to fix this right away. They were kind of a little too casual about it for me. Like, they're like, mean let's you don't feel well. Yeah, what they're like, mean? Let's, just, let's just play a nice little relaxing game. No, sis, oh I need God. you. I need no you diagnostics to, or something? I need you mm-hmm. to do a quick head count. That's what I need you to do. Right. Yeah. Hell with this yeah. game. We're not playing games. <laughs> We're out here in the middle yeah. of literal nowhere. I need you to do a quick diagnostic, mm-hmm. do a head count. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is you need yep, to do. Yep. I can't. You need to get to the, the what's eating you much quicker than just sitting and playing. Although they did get to it. But I thought, I just found it funny. I was like, <laughs> well, I, yeah, no, this mm-hmm. isn't a. This isn't just any other person on the ship. Totally. And I would say this is my pickup on this is why I think Zora is a sibling, because what I found what I what I noticed in this episode in those moments was Zora went to Stamets um, to say, hey, something is wrong. When Colbert, when they brought in Colbert, Colbert's like, let's play the, the, the game that Gray taught us. And I thought about, wow, what is the power of a trill sentience being re-embodied in this Noonien Sung technology, teaching the first sentient computer ship in disco, like the pathway of how to connect my feelings to my body. Zora is sibling with Adira and Gray in that way because Adira has gone to Daddy Stamets, Daddy Colber about, I have these feelings, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to sort them out. So... I'll just say in my rewatch today in the prep for this, I just I just had that moment of like, huh. So if Zora and then I just think about all the ways that. Yeah, Zora is trying to define herself and yeah, there's just lots of questions I'm excited in rewatches to figure out. So I would just say that's my other Zora moment of it's interesting to me that Zora is in a discovery family with the whole crew. But now maybe also part of this other um, like queer fam bam of Stamets, Cobra, Adira, Gray. Reno, cool. you know. Yeah, very cool. All I know is Azora was a liability in this case. <laughs> she was a liability when she withheld the coordinates. She was a liability when she lost Reno. I felt like, okay, great, mm-hmm. you can have your sentience or whatever, but I'm going to need you to train first before we continue to have you mm-hmm. on board because I can't have you dropping these kind of balls. You know what I mean? Like the computer is supposed to be there <laughs> as a fail safe for, I don't want to say human error because that discredits like non-human species on the ship, but, but personal error mm-hmm. for, for being error, you know, mm-hmm. like you're supposed to be there just in case my math doesn't add up. I forgot to carry it to or something like that's what you're for. I don't need you talking about something. Oh, I don't feel well. What? What you mean you don't feel well? If you don't take yourself offline and let the real computer do the work, I don't got time for this. 
is why I'm not a captain. <laughs> this is why. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I would have had a, I would have had words on the heels of that. And I'm like, Zora, let me talk to you for a minute. <laughs> let me talk to you for a minute. Can I see you in my quarters? Let's mm-hmm. let's go. Well, now you're making me want to see at the top of season five. Zora's been to Starfleet Academy. Tilly was her professor. I I would love in in true Gene Roddenberry universe fashion. I would love for them to tie in Andromeda in this way because mm-hmm. Andromeda was supposed to take place. I don't know a, a good couple thousand years. After, I think that it's like ten. 400 something other so there's like a considerable amount of time between what the star trek universe takes place in chronologically and when andromeda takes place so if it all it all is one universe if andromeda is a possible future for humanity and and you know the galactic community if you will um i feel like this would be a good opportunity to be like oh we're trying this new prototype having uh the ship's ai in an avatar inside the ship as well um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even though it was uh, it was uh oh geez it was harper that built the avatar for for andromeda but the, like he couldn't he i refuse to believe he's the first person who thought of that you know what i mean like they, i'm sure someone probably thought of that in the preliminary uh moments and it just didn't work out so they abandoned the project but i felt like that would have been a cool way to to flex on like what Roddenberry's universe building is like cuz Disco is already flexed in tying in Picard um and tying in the Kelvin universe when we talked about that time jump uh and in tying in the Terran universe as well so they've done a real good job of of bringing a whole bunch of things together and I thought this would have been a cool extension of that but either way I need her to go through some type of personnel training cuz I am concerned yeah. <laughs> yep I didn't love this season. I thought it was I thought it was uneven. I didn't like all the people getting written off the ship. But I did think they really stuck the finale. I loved the finale. So that kind of saved it for me. I liked this season from start to finish more than any other season, which I didn't think was possible because I really loved season two. So I was surprised by how much I liked it. But then also, I feel like as a viewer, I'm growing because... Um, the things that really frustrated me didn't spoil the show for me. I was like with, I was able to kind of like what you said, Kenny, just like, accept this is what they're doing. This is what they're giving me. And they thought about this a lot. So they are going somewhere with it. So like the Rontarka and the Rillic and Ndoye's project, uh, uh, protestation and, and sabotage with the other, the getaway kids or whatever you, whatever you call them. They were. All that stuff. They got away with everything. Yeah. It actually, I, I enjoyed it more just letting it wash over me and going for the ride and then feeling the things I was going to feel and being okay with that, being okay with that frustration sometimes. Cause then it paid off to like, Holy crap, best finale ever. <laughs> like, Oh my God. Yeah. I feel like this goes in a unique position um, with the time jump because there's no point of reference anymore. You know what I mean? With next generation, with deep space nine, with Voyager and even enterprise, there was always a, a, a point of reference in at some point, point in time as to what to compare those situations to you know like oh this makes sense because this happened or oh this falls in line with you know whatever protocol was established after the dominion war or whatever the case may be um i feel like this goes in a a unique space to be able to build upon a world and not just build within it oh well another thing too is like 
you're right, this is groundbreaking, this is fresh new territory for them to play. And also, this was the first season that we had Sonequa Martin-Green as an executive producer on the show. Ooh, I gotta and correct you, she's I, not an exec just yet, but she is producing. She's not? Okay, no. she's she's a producer, so yeah, she's yeah, a full yeah. producer now. And um, I think I could feel it and I could see it in the season. I mean, obviously, like, she's in her captaincy, this is her first full season, seeing that. Um, but it, it felt like what was... It felt like the show had more um, grounding than than it has had before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could I could see that. Mm-hmm. Define ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there were so <laughs> there were so many moments so where it's just moments. like she's speaking my truth, and mm-hmm. it's like, whoo, SMG for the win. The only thing that I consistently did not like about this season because there were some things I didn't like at first and then got over and there were some things I was cool with and then grew not to like um the only thing I was from the door like what the hell is this was Nilsson's wig <laughs> y'all, y'all yeah how? I was confused about that y'all like, like why? How, what <laughs> why I should not be able to see your lace on television boo yeah. not when mm-hmm. I can go buy something like that off the internet and make it lay but you need there needs to be more black hairstylists on that show. And I mean more in, in addition to the ones that are clearly working on Michael. Because mm-hmm. um, her wig looked like what the hell and why. Tilly's wig looked like what the hell and why. But I also got to give a shout out to Mary Wiseman for having hair so fabulous mm-hmm. that it cannot be recreated. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like, what is going on with Nilsson's wig? Like, I need y'all to do something. Like, you, what, what is this? Like, is the wig budget only for captains? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and was the coon? Yes. Even hers was mm-hmm. that was yeah, pulling at her times. edges a little Borderline. bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I was a little concerned yep. for her edges. <laughs> Cause I was like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. I, I mean I'm gonna just jump in and say in terms of like what I appreciated about the season, like just coming back to like what I said at the top, like I do think this was a Kobayashi Maru season for both Burnham and her first year of of captaincy and book. And like what does it mean to see a powerful woman have a partner? And what does it mean to watch them go through a series of things where there become moments of unwinnable odds and they're each dealing with, you know, duty, responsibility. Book's dad says it to him. There's going to come a point where she's going to choose Starfleet or Federation and you're going to not. So they did give us that throughout the season. We did get to watch the ongoing, you know, process of all their feelings and, you know, uh, all that emo porn almost in terms of just being able to like live in those feelings and process all the way through. So I love that kind of stuff. I appreciate that we're getting to talk through all these pieces. And I'm appreciating that at the end of the season, Book is having to be accountable. So he's going away to do his restorative work with survivors, just like, you know, uh, Mama Doctor Sister Burnham is on this planet with Javini helping her because she is now, you know, Gabrielle's lost cause. So just seeing these ways they're giving us opportunities also to think about it. The last thing I want to say is I mourn the loss of Quajan because I was excited to see a planet of empaths where men, where men and men of color are unafraid to show how they feel. And so to have Stamets, I hope we do get, sorry, I hope we get to see some refugees in the future Mm -hmm. too. Like, rebuilding their lives and so we get we don't completely lose cohesion mm-hmm. by that way sorry good yeah no and i would just say that we learned book is the fifth of his name and like what does that mean and just all the ways we're getting to meet book and the way that his strength and his journey is not 
a deterrent for for Burnham, certainly something she has to come to terms with. And I will say that the full scale moment when Rillick turned the corner for me finally in my heart was when we watch Burnham watch book disappear in that um, transporter moment. And she's trying to hold it together. And the whole bridge crew is like watching her and feeling for her and trying to help. And Rillick puts her hand on Burnham's shoulder. And at some point, Burnham finally touches back and takes that love. So I did see that arc for them. And I don't, I'm super hopeful and excited about the disco to come where it's not about Michael proving herself. But yeah, what are the new challenges for her that have nothing to do with her proving herself, but just giving us more opportunities to explore her intelligence and the way she manages teams and all the leadership models we get. So super nerdy about it. And yes, I hope we get to see the president of the United Earth and Titan next season as well. I also want to see my Volkelpian and nibblings. Mm-hmm. I need them to stop playing and get to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on, Saru. You are literally mm-hmm. not getting any younger. And neither is she. So let's go. I'm gonna be that, mm-hmm. that irritating I'm gonna be that irritating auntie for a moment. Be like, where are my nibblings? Where are they? <laughs> <laughs> what is taking so long? Um, wow. So any last thoughts? I'm gonna turn that to to Sarah first. Um, any any last thoughts um, on this season that you weren't a fan of until the very end? <laughs> no, but I have you. Just you guys just gave me an idea for next season. Next season could be like a, a low stakes treasure hunt yes. or something like that, where it's just happy and yes, fun. Yes, give us that. Could we do that. <laughs> I want the archaeology dig, mm. <laughs> but in a non adventure colonialism way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want them to do, I mean, it's a science vessel. I want to see them do science and not have the balance of life as we know it, you know, weigh on their on their outcome. Because everything that Disco has ever been a part of has been life or death. And I'm just like, yo, can they chill? None of them want to go to another ship? None of y'all? Everyone's okay here? Oh, we got to see more Linus this season. <laughs> Linus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he did. I feel like the producers heard us. We were all like, "I need more bridge crew." They were like, "Well, here you go." Yeah, here's more bridge crew. Don't tell, don't, don't tell you, don't tell us we never did nothing for you. (laughs) Well, and we also got to see Bryce have his moments about, "I used to windsurf. I could do this basic sonar trick." We also got to see Reese take the con and like hold it down in this very last episode, sitting up in that chair, like, "Yes, Demets, we know that book is cloaked." Yeah, we know. He looked really sexy in that chair. I'm just saying. He did. He worked that chair hard. I was so like, shouts okay. out, shouts out, Patrick. Shouts <laughs> out to that actor. You. Yes. Yes. I, I don't know if there is an instance where Patrick Quachun isn't fine as hell. I don't. I don't think that's physically possible for that man. And can I say the asynchronous uniform cut worked for him in that chair in that position? Like that's why I like the way the, that uniform is cut because it makes a sit look really good. Yeah, I yes. like people were griping about that uniform. I love the fact that it's gender neutral mm-hmm. and that you don't have to feel like I need to have a certain body type in order to look quote unquote good in this uniform. The fact that everybody looked the same in it um, was really really rewarding for me. Um, as, as, as jarring as it was at first, I, I really I really appreciated it towards the end there. And I hope we stay in these uniforms next season so we don't have to worry about new uniforms again. 
Good stuff. All right, so before we ramble on continuously, that is about all the time we have today. Uh, Sarah, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter at Sarah Miyoko, S-A-R-A-H, M as in Mary, I-Y-O-K-O, or they can find my fanzine, Star Trek Quarterly, at StarTrekQuarterly.wordpress.com or on Facebook. And Elisa, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at Elisa Pearl on Twitter and Instagram. That's A-L-I-Z as in Zebra, A-P-E-A-R-L. And, um, yeah, follow me for TTRPG content and streams and random life things, especially about fibromyalgia. All right. And Dela, where can we find you on the Internet? Yes, yes. So to find me personally, you can find me on Instagram at P-I-C-S-B-Y-D-E-L-A, Picks by Dela. On Twitter, I am Tweets by Dela. And to check out the Trek Table, we're at Trek Table on Instagram, at Trek underscore Table on Twitter. You can find us on YouTube, searching Trek Table and or at TrekTable.com. Right. And you can find me on Twitter at that Mikey chick. That's that M-I-K-E-Y-C-H-I-C-K. Don't act up in my comments because I will drag you publicly and block you. Uh, you can also find me on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash that Mikey chick where I play STO Monday nights. It's a lot of fun. To learn more about our show or to contact us, visit womenatwarp.com. Email us at crew at womenatwarp.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at womenatwarp. Hopefully we will see some of you at Mission Chicago. Come by booth 2126 uh, with your mask and we have good things to uh, share with you all. Till next time, thanks so much for listening. (laughs) 